Oh, yeah. John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show, starring Jacob. Peter Fonda. There you go. There you go. Okay. Andy Warhol. At least it's a tribute to Andy Warhol, right? In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Well, this gal's getting her 15 minutes. She's on the grand jury. 75 witnesses. And here's the way it works, grand jury. Um, normally, if normal jury, you get the defense prosecutor in there, and you can reject a certain number of the jurors. In this case, grand jury, there is no defense there, so they just pick them, 16, randomly. You get them in. you got to be able to speak English, and um, I don't know what age you have to be. And then you sit there, and you listen to all the evidence, and then you vote secretly as to is there enough here in order for this trial to move on. That's the idea of the grand jury. And um, the judge says, you know, don't talk about it. Just, you know, don't just, you know, kind of just lay low. Well, I guess she she didn't hear the part about laying low. Have you been watching this young lady, this 30-year-old between jobs right now, never voted, just really enjoying the time in the spotlight? Yeah. What I didn't completely understand is I thought the jury, she's the jury for person, right? Mm-hmm, I thought mm-hmm. that person is usually somebody that the entire, you know, the rest of the jury's like, that person is the sharpest person. Let's elect them to Ooh. represent us. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, if it is, I would hate to hear from Ooh. the other ones. I mean, she's been all over the place. I mean, she's been on CNN. She's been on MSNBC, talked to the New York Times. Uh, Here's what uh, Trump had to say about it. He was he was very upset about her, about her revealing insights into the Uh uh, into the thing. It says this Georgia case is ridiculous, a strictly political continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Now you have an extremely energetic young woman. The get this four person of the racist DA's special grand jury going around and doing a media tour revealing incredibly the grand jury's inner workings and thoughts. That's what he posted mm. on th- on Truth Social. Yeah, it's a gift. Uh, those that are working in the Trump um, group said, "This is great for us. This is great. Go ahead, talk all you want. CNN loves." After her. everything that you've seen, what would your reaction be if the DA decides against? bringing any charges after what you've seen i will be sad if nothing happens like that's that's about my only request there is is for something to happen i don't necessarily know what it is i'm not the legal expert i'm not the judge i'm not the lawyers but i i will be frustrated if nothing happens this was too much too much information too much of my time too much of everyone's time too much of their time too much argument in in court about getting people to appear before us there was just too much for this to just be oh okay we're good bye and if it was just a perjury charge or perjury charges would that be acceptable to you that's fine i will be happy as long as something happens <laughs> Do we know how she voted right. <laughs> and that deserved to laugh at the end <laughs> But too much of her time because she, she's got other things going on, Sherry. She's got a lot of stuff going on. So she, you know, it's all that time she put into it. Um, will Trump, why she wanted Trump to testify? By the way, um, he didn't. 
So you're not going to be able to indict him. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately <laughs> a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up. Was that and I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Mm. You know what I mean? At some point, you kind of start to get the gist. <laughs> she, By the uh, way, yes. did you hear how how she swore one person in? Uh, is that the was she eating the ice cream cone? She was holding a Ninja Turtle popsicle she had just received at an ice cream party thrown by the DA's office. <laughs> A lot wrong with that. A lot. <laughs> so the prosecutor, the DA's office, supposed to be separate, not have any influence. But I guess, hey, everybody, come on over having a ice cream social and get yourself a ninja pop. So she's got the ninja pop in her one hand and she's swearing people in. Um, she also said that when people would take the fifth, then the jurors would quickly write everything down, which you're not allowed to do that. You know, oh, ooh, the guy took, you took the fifth. Okay. And another juror would come in every single day with a newspaper and show everybody, hey, look at this, what they're saying. This is what's going on out there. He gads. Well, listen, she's done a great job. Just like Trump blew it when he decided he would, you know, not support uh, the Georgia candidates and fight up the whole thing with Brian Kemp, blew it so that we didn't get our senator um, in there. So as much as Trump deserves some credit for what he did in the Senate, this woman's going to do, get a lot of credit for when they be able to, the judge determines this thing because of her and what she said and the stuff. This is just, it is a gift, um, to the defense. Um, how many indictments were there? Ooh, is it, would you say when it comes to, there are, indi- there are indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about, six pages in the middle that got cut out allow for spacing it's not a short list not a short list <laughs> <laughs> 75 witnesses were called so there you go there you go they experts have said well she walked right up to the line she didn't give a whole she didn't cross the line but certainly does enough to sort of taint the whole process. But there you go. There's your jury. There's your grand jury. Mm-hmm. That's your four-person. Yeah, she did not break any laws. Um, and she said being on a jury was really cool. Yeah. My Aunt Mary got on jury duty all the time because she always agreed to go on. And she was And she was so great about all that stuff. They always made her the four-person. She was always in charge of it. I'm going to tell you the story that... They would know right away the guy was guilty. But she used to say, let's get lunch at 10.30 or 11 o'clock so we can have lunch for an hour so that the person doesn't think that we didn't spend enough time. So they would all sit there and munch on sandwiches for a little while and then, you know, 
<laughs> and their verdict in. Because she said, you know, let's just let's just take our time. Because they, they all knew the person was guilty. Did you come in, big bang, back out, like five minutes later, ten minutes later? They just give the impression that, you know, that we spent some time at least well, eating your they, sandwich. You want to you think that the jury was deliberating at least and thoughtful. Yes. Yes, exactly. This is the same woman, went to church every single day. She is a saint, although she did carry in her purse what, Jacob? What did my Aunt Mary carry in her purse? A Scrabble piece? That's right. Good for you. That's right. Which piece was it? I don't remember. The X. She had okay. the X. What is the X? <laughs> uh, I think it was about three weeks ago, the train derails, uh, all sorts of toxic fumes and gas and all sorts of other stuff comes out. Um, what came out of the thing is not covered, um, whatever the, the certain chemicals, it's not, it doesn't fall into this one particular category, but Pete Buttigieg, uh, transportation, by the way, he's gay. Did I mention that? That's important when you're Obama, uh, uh, appointed person. The, so Pete has been saying, well, the problem is it's all Trump's fault because they didn't have these brakes in place and they didn't have two or three, uh, people on board that were, you know, working for the railroad um the, these are all the problems and most people punch the giant holes and all that sort of stuff so trump goes in there goes to mcdonald's buys mcdonald's for a whole bunch of people and and gets some water as well and shows thousands up. of bottle of water trump water actually most of it uh some of it we had to go to a much lesser quality water you want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. But we're bringing a lot of water, thousands of bottles, and we have it in trucks. And we brought some on my plane today. But to that end, I'm pleased to announce that we've helped coordinate the delivery of the water and bottled water as uh, well as the tractor trailers full of it. We have big tractor trailers full of water. I think you're going to have plenty of water for a long time, maybe. It doesn't do a, The thing is, the problem is, is that the people are saying, listen, the water's fine. If you've got a well... Don't drink it. Do bottled water. But the rest of you that are drinking tap water, that stuff's okay. I've seen, I think, the mayor and other people on camera live drinking water and then apparently licking a salad scooper or something, Sherry. <laughs> um, the ladle? <laughs> the ladle. ladle. Yeah. Uh, this is your so- transportation secretary. Did I mention he's gay? All of that. Happy to take a few questions. Trauma in this, there's a lot of trauma in this community, a lot of emotion, and as you noted, a lot of politics too. Now that you've seen the records and spoken to the people, was it a mistake not to come here sooner? You know, what I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, and my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. Well, there's some thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right, uh, but I think the most important thing is, first of all, making sure that the residents here have what they need. Yeah, you didn't get it right. And this is the second time, I think, that he has really dropped the ball. The first time was with the airline debacle that happened over the holidays and him mm-hmm. unwilling to really do anything to to make it better and now this um it just seems it, it the fact that he didn't go that president biden didn't go do you think it has anything to do with the fact that 70 percent of the people in palestine ohio voted for trump i would hope that's not the case but you know that's what people are saying 
It's the flyover country. You're not going to win them over anyway. They're not going to vote for you anyway. Plus, here's the other thing. Who cares if the Secretary of Transportation shows up? All right, folks, uh, uh, let's get those uh, pallets out. Move that back. Get the train up. I mean, come on. And the same thing with the president. Why does the president have to be the commander in uh, in care, flying in somewhere and walking around and seeing the devastation? <laughs> what are you doing? Right? I don't know who started. I think it was Clinton started that. You know, Clinton started that, and then Bush flew over, and then he didn't care about black people, Katrina. You know, and then Obama shows up after a tornado, or Trump goes to Puerto Rico. Who cares? You don't need the president. You don't need the transportation guy there. There's three lies that Buttigieg has told. One, if the braking system were in place that they wanted to put in place, then um, that Trump got rid of, this thing would have never happened. That's not true. The reason they wanted this incredibly advanced braking system in place is because it was so unbelievably expensive and the people who were pushing for it and wanted it in place because it would be so costly. They don't want oil. They don't want gas. They don't want anything that could be considered to sort of continue with our dependency upon oil to be transported. And they thought, well, what we could do is we could force them. If you force them to put this really advanced braking system in place, it's so expensive that maybe they will not transport and we could stop them that way. The other one was you got to have two or three people on board rather than one. Well, that's not true either. That was the union who was forcing get three or four guys on board the train. You don't know three or four guys. You can have one guy run the thing. They don't like that. Plus, the other third lie was, oh, it was all because of Trump got rid of some of the regulations regarding um, overtime and that they were working and that they were tired. Look, the thing derailed. You didn't respond fast enough. The people are concerned about the water. They're concerned about the air. And you were kind of pulling back on it. And then Biden goes to Ukraine and goes to Poland while the people in Ohio are like, hey, what about us? But mm-hmm. whether the Secretary of Transportation is there or not, what does it matter? Walking around with a hard hat on and a, and a vest? This well, idea I, that, they, oh, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. I, I think because Pete, Pete Buttigieg has made such a big deal about him being a man of the people, of him wanting to be part of that engagement about the you know about infrastructure about the the rail system i mean he's he has been front and center um unlike other transportation secretaries who really don't even half the time know who they are i mean i think he's put himself in that position where he's wanted to be uh the spokesperson or the comforter in chief or whatever it is for, for some of these things um, right there was a 2021 letter that was signed by 20 Republican senators supporting waivers for the rail industry to limit in-person safety inspections of railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. So that part is true right. In you terms know why? Regulation because they wanted to put in place a computer system that would be far faster and more effective. But what does that mean? Well, if you're going to put a computer system in place to check the rail condition, that means whoop. There's some union jobs out the door, and we know the unions get the Democrats elected, so you don't want to replace the union guys. Same thing that happens in, uh, down in the ports in California. Well, we could, we could computerize this system. Oh, no way! Same sort of thing happened here. But Pete wants to be president of the United States. Yes. Because, and if you remove the fact that he is uh, married to a man and they've got two kids, who is he? He's just some guy from some small town mayor 
but because oh it's oh he's he would be the first gay this or gay that that's it gives him the status but you know now people are looking at him well maybe he was over his head when it came to the department of transportation what a, what, what do you know about any of that stuff you mean what did, what does anybody know what does a pete what, what does he know about that he does you're gonna hire for he any does. of that <laughs> Well, there are people that are experts in some areas of transportation. He was the mayor of, what, Fort Worth or something? I can't remember. I can't remember. But this is the first time he actually sounded somewhat genuine. Usually he sounds like a, a the chat GPT. Like he just sounds mm-hmm. so robotic and rehearsed. And this sounded like he maybe was he's a little glib. bit more. He's glib. Go, go, go with glib, Sherry. Okay. He's glib. There you are. All right. Okay. Let's see. Jacob's gonna Oh, the world's oldest person. I like. Is she still alive? No. Sorry. Oh. She could co-star someday. <laughs> I like the fact that she started something very late in life that most people don't do. I'm with her on that. I'm gonna, I'm following in her footsteps, but not into the grave yet. There you are. There you go. You know, sure, you, uh, everyone's like every day get this this day in history. And I, I normally don't click on it. I don't know how I got these emails, but I just, okay, fine. So I clicked on it. It was on this day in 1945 that the famous photograph, the quintessential photograph that was um, seen around the world and that was probably the photo of World War II and the Battle of World War II, and it was Iwo Jima and that famous flag raising. And I thought, well, this is fascinating. And I got up early and I thought, I'm going to just go down into the rabbit hole and see what I can learn about it. I, have you ever seen the beautiful statue? You must have seen it there in Washington, D.C., right? It was in Arlington or D.C. It must be over in, it's, it's probably in, in the Virginia side. In yeah, Roslyn, it's in, yeah. It's yeah. Roslyn. And I used to have a friend who lived, um, I think it was the Highland House. I can't remember what the, what the apartment building was right behind it. And every 4th of July, uh, we would watch the fireworks go off. Um, in D.C. from her balcony, and it was right, mm-hmm. the statue was right there. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. It's oh. an absolutely beautiful statue. Yeah. So this small island known as Sulphur Island, we bombed the hell out of it for as long as we possibly could uh, because we knew the Japanese had been in there for a long time. We needed that island because it allowed us to be able to use the aircraft uh, landing area. We were able to refuel, and our bombers were able to go in there. So it was a strategic little rock in the middle of the world and the americans needed it Seventy thousand marines hit the beach there were eighteen thousand japanese that were dug in they had tunnels and basically once you hit the water's edge they were just picking people off altogether i believe seven thousand soldiers and marines were lost uh 200 or 22 or 24 thousand uh ended up uh, being wounded, uh, the Japanese, many of them took their own life. Only 200 and some were taken as prisoners of war, but I think they lost total amount of close to 18,000. So it was unbelievably bloody, and it lasted about six weeks, and it was probably the, it was the biggest loss the Marines had ever had. So this island being fought um, uh, over for that amount of time. And the photographer, uh, Joe Rosenthal, was working for AP, and he talked about what it took for him to get the photo. Um, and again, it was on this day back in 1945 that he was able to get that and photo. And in order to get ashore from there, 
Bill and I had to make two transfers. We got into one boat, and then we got onto the back of an LCT, the front of which was on the shore. But we were toward the northern part of the island, just under Zorbachi. And as we clambered aboard there, Bill said, what was that, what was that? And the bosun said they heard over the radio that there was a, a group going up or had gotten up to the top with the American flag. And my response was, the hell you say in, in four days or less than five days? Didn't think of, in view of all the, the, all the carnage and stuff. It was, front, front lines were moving sometimes by inches, measured by inches, not by yards. Uh, sometimes it would recede. Well, anyway, that, all of that stuff is in the background of my mind. Well, I got ashore and I knew I was late, of course. And uh, uh, Bill and I tiptoed our way. Bill said he heard that that uh, there was they had captured a Japanese at the base of the Zorbachi down on the bottom. I said, well, I'm I'm more interested in trying to get some marker on this battle. I, that's all I thought of. It was an, an important marker that meant turn of the battle. That part was taken. And this part, they could all wheel around together and go toward the northern widening part of the island. So Joe makes his way up there, by the way. Dave, Marine just wrote to me, Marines are not soldiers. <clears throat> okay, Dave, thank you. He says, you've been warned. So this young AP photographer, they, 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 he's carrying his equipment, stepping over just bodies everywhere as he's making his way up to the top because he hears that there's an American flag and he wants to try to get that And then I estimated where they would be, where the flag would be, how tall is this thing? Well, I, I being already built close to the ground in height, this foot and a half gave me just enough uh, clearance. I, again, these were the things that you chance. I swung my graphic around close up to my face and held it, watching through the finder, see when I could estimate what's the peak of the picture. And I thought it should look good. And I had no, I wasn't referring to, uh, even in my own mind, first, the importance of first flag, second flag, whatever number you want to assign to a flag, or whether one was more realistic than another or what it represented. But rather, I wanted a flag going up on evil. He mentions the two flags here. There's a smaller flag that was up there, but then somebody said, there's a bigger flag. We found a bigger flag. Let's put that one up. So he's able to get that photograph of the bigger flag going up. When I look at a copy of that picture myself, I don't know, almost invariably I see D-Day. I see what it took out of a lot of young men to get to that point. And I feel a strange kind of, yes, as a, I'm as egocentric, I think, as any news photographer. Uh, 
I feel a gratification that the use of the picture in general has been very good uses. Uh, but I see what had to be gone through before those Marines with that flag or with any flag got up to the top of that mountain and secured the highest point, the most important point perhaps in the, in the whole, entire battle, uh, most important ground to be taken by those Marines. Here's the crazy part of the story. I didn't know this. So Joe takes the photo, then he puts the film in and sends it off. He doesn't realize two days later it's printed, front page. Someone says to him, hey, did you stage that? And he thought they were talking about the photo that he took with all of the Marines standing around the flag. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, I staged that. Well, then word got out that he had staged it. So then Life magazine, somebody from Life or some uh, someone told, hey, I've got a great scoop for you. Because this this photograph had just seared in the memory of every single person in the world. And then this person said, hey, Life, i got a story for you. The thing was staged. The whole thing was staged. Well, then AP and Life, and AP was going to sue Life magazine because they find out later on it wasn't staged. Because Joe said, if I was going to stage a photo, I would have had them facing me. They all faced away. The six Marines faced away. Uh, three of them died in the battle after raising the flag. Um, and then the other three went on. And the other wild, strange twist, Ira Hayes, a Native American who was one of the Marines that held the flag up, he did not want his name. He didn't want anybody to know his name. He didn't want any recognition. Very, very shy person. And they got one of the Marines to come in and say, tell us the name of the other one. Who is the other one? And they released his name, and then he became famous, and then, you know, he would travel around and do this and do that. But it was too much for him. The PTSD was too much for him. He started drinking, and he ended up um, drinking himself to death uh, back in some small town. I think it was out in Arizona or New Mexico, and he was found dead in a ditch, Um from exposure and from alcohol and then johnny cash ended up writing a song about it but it's just one moment and then all the lives yeah just he, he did he wasn't comfortable being a hero he didn't like to be called that um and it, it got to him and he felt like i think he probably had a lot of survivor's guilt too because some of the other guys in that photo died yeah oh well, yeah he just you know he did not want the attention didn't want the attention at all, and Johnny Cash played that song, and Bob Dylan covered it. Everybody covered it. It was the ball- the ballad of, of uh, Ira Hayes, and it's it's chilling. So this day, there it is. When you see the photo and you know what happened behind the scenes, it really that brings it to a, a whole nevo- another level. And for my buddy Dave, okay, Dave, you can stop texting me. Marines are not soldiers. You've been warned. He's still correcting you? No, but I just repeated again on the air. Semper Fi, Dave. All right, because every year he's like, hey, hey, on your little fart show you do, why don't you tell everybody uh, it's Marine's birthday? I'm like, okay, okay. all right. So, thank you, Dave. Um, there we go. Uh, the Ballad of Ira Hayes tells the whole story. 
was looking up subscriptions. Are you a Netflix subscriber? Because apparently they just 11 hours ago, they cut their subscription fees in 30 different countries. Netflix did. How about that? Huh? How it, it is the United States one of the countries, I hope? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's see. By the way, they also are cracking down on people that share. They said they're going to stop that. It's that we kind of let people go for that for a while, and they decided they nope, 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 nope. Yeah, the ever growing okay, reducing the fees. Wow, but cutting them. I assume. Oh, wait, wait. Middle Eastern countries: Yemen, Jordan, Libya, Iran, mm-hmm. um, parts of Africa, Kenya, European country. Nope. Sorry, Sherry. Not on the list. <laughs> okay. All right then. It's a Worth list moving story. to John, Yemen, you can't do list stories. What are you, what are you doing? You can't <laughs> do list That's not a list story. It's not a list story. <laughs> We're bringing this up because uh, how would you like to get a subscription to something like a fast food restaurant? Huh? And you could go in anytime you want. See? <laughs> well, well, it doesn't, I mean, you can go anytime you want anyway, but. but <laughs> no, but the, you, go, the, you go in, go, you, uh, you, yeah, yeah, but you, you, uh, you got a subscription. Well, the subscriptions offer a few perks. Um, people are trying it out. Restaurants are trying it out, like Panera, P.F. Chang's. Um, they said that the average American has about 6.7 subscriptions right now. Uh, that's up from 4.2 in 2019. They don't really specify what those subscriptions are, if they're, you know, Netflix or, uh, uh, you know, newspapers, whatever it is. But I guess the mm-hmm. point is that people are like the subscription concept. So, for instance, P.F. Chang's for six ninety nine a month, you get free delivery. Um, uh-huh. Taco Bell, they have the ten dollar Taco Loves Pass. You get a taco every day for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panera, I'd like to have a free- Love Pass. Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. Uh, having nothing to do with Taco Bell, um, Panera, <laughs> um, also known as a Hall Pass. Right, uh, free coffee and tea for eight ninety nine a month. So, you know, and then there are other places that do things like if you go to, uh, you know, there's certain local restaurants and if you subscribe, they'll deliver, uh, you know, two meals a month for free, that type of thing. So is do you kind of break even on it? If you use it enough, I suppose that you come out ahead, but you'd really have to like that restaurant and want to eat that food regularly or, or drink the coffee or the tea to make it worthwhile. Exactly. And they know. They get your money up front. You forget that you're paying. It's such a small amount. You stop going. Whenever we used to go to this buffet, all you can eat, I said, guys, I'd say to my kids, hurt them on the shrimp. Hurt them in the shrimp area. And, we, you know, whatever it was. They're the most expensive thing. Don't let them get you the cheese. Don't let get over. Go hurt them in the shrimp. So we would look at the buffet. You pay all the money. And then we just, nope, don't fill up on any junk. No, no bread, no nothing. Just all get the most expensive thing and fill your plate. Keep going back. I don't feel it. Get back in there. Quit Get back in there. <laughs> I, heard him on. Heard him on the heavy stuff. I never. I never like buffets. First of all, they're gross, and people touch the food and they lick the ladles. But I also. I don't eat no, that. No wait. Much. No one licks the ladle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They you know, do you keep, not. No, no, no. You can see kids like the salad dressing ladle. They lick it and then they put it back in the thing. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross, no way. Gross. It could happen. You know it can happen. I always yeah. test the sneeze guard by sneezing on it just to see. Okay, uh, Mike. Okay, you're making my point. 
Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? Anybody before I throw it over to Nate over there? That be, no. no? You want to make up covered. any more stories about kids licking ladles? I, I read that somewhere. And oh. you, know, you, you, you know you can believe everything you read, so it is Absolutely. true. Absolutely. You want to take it to the bank, 